0: Hosting for this podcast is made possible through mtgcast.com, which is supported by a generous contribution from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier trading and financial news site. East-West Draftcast may not be suitable for all listeners.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to East-West DraftCast. My name is Greg, I am one of your hosts. Joining me on the line is your other host, Jeff McDonald. What's going
0: on, Susie? Mr. McDonald, that is me. I am here. (laughs) He's
1: Well, he's there, I'm here. I don't care what he says. And we are here and there to talk about some Modern Masters. The set has been officially spoiled. We're going to dive in headfirst tried not to waste too much time here because there is a lot to talk about uh, our goal for this overall is to prepare you and to prepare ourselves for grand P- grand prix las vegas which is coming up in a couple weeks so we're going to discuss how the set looks for sealed how it looks for draft uh, what kind of archetypes are important what cards are important and talk about mana curves stuff like that jeff do you have any specific place where you want to get started
0: um, I think we should start at the commons, surprise, surprise, and just talk about uh, each color's commons and kind of where they stand on the the playable scale and things like that.
1: Okay, that sounds good. I would like to do some, I'd like to throw a monkey wrench at you. Can we start from the bottom up and do artifacts into green, into red, and then go up, like reverse Wooburg order?
0: Yeah, totally. Cause
1: I feel like I've spent more time looking at and thinking about the white cards cause they're always the ones that come up first on like gatherer searches and whatnot. Totally. Uh, I'd like to kind of mix it up and, and do things the other way. So we spend a little, I make sure we touch on these other colors a little bit more because I feel like that's where I need more practice. Yeah. So let's start with the artifacts. Well, what do you see here?
0: All right. Well, um, so I, so okay, we're working off a spreadsheet. I don't know if you mentioned that. I did not. Because I don't listen to what you say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're working on a spreadsheet. We'll make this available. Uh, we'll probably be working on it for the next few weeks since we're going to use it as our guide. Um, and on the spreadsheet, I have put a count of unplayable sideboard cards and narrow cards for each color because, uh, yeah, just to see how the colors shape up and... Something you'll see that will come up a lot is there are generally very few to none unplayables, so for artifacts, I claimed that none of these are unplayable. Uh, I think one of them is not good, but
1: <laughs> now we we should note that we're saying that in a vacuum, none of these cards are unplayable like in the context of this set, some of these cards are going to be quote unquote
0: yeah they're not going cards they're like, not going to be
1: cards you want to play. Cards you no, that doesn't necessarily mean they're unplayable. Unplayable is a strong word for any card in Magic because there's always a corner case where you can work these cards in. But for these artifacts, they really are mostly generally fine.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, Arcbound Worker, a 1-1 one, one for 1 with uh, what's modular. that? modular, is kind of under the curve. And Arcbound Stinger is a 1-1 one, one Flyer for 2 with modular is 2. But these cards all synergize well with the other artifacts, and if you're drafting that deck, like, they're going to be cards you want.
0: Right. So I, I did write down for the, the narrow cards that seven of these, uh, how many are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So seven of the ten artifacts are quote-unquote narrow, which either means that they care about other artifacts or that they care that you're playing many colors. Right. So the
1: not narrow ones here, I'm assuming, were the two spell bombs and Bone Splitter for you. That's correct. Yeah. I would.
0: Both of those are, or all three of those are great cards.
1: Yeah, I might throw Skyreach Manta into the mix there, just because it's not that hard to make him a three-three flyer for five.
0: Yeah, which is, I think, below the curve for this set for sure. But you might be right. but, But but probably fine. Um. Yeah, so anyway, that said, uh, y- you mentioned the spell bombs, um, both, these are the old spell bombs from original Mirrodin. For those that didn't play back then, it's instead of you get an effect and you get to draw a card for mana, you can either spend less m- mana to get the effect or to draw the card. So, uh, but fire spell bomb deals damage, ether spell bomb bounces creatures, very, very powerful abilities on these things. Uh, so they're good. Bone Splitter. We should talk about Bone Splitter. Bone those. Splitter is the best. Yeah, for those that didn't play with it, um, it was one of the best commons, if not the best, in the Mirrodin draft format. Um, it's just, it's, it just represents so much damage, so fast, and so easily. Um, every creature you have all of a sudden can get in. It doesn't matter how big they are and it, it just it does everything that you want it to do. Um, in the deck that cares about artifacts, it's even crazier since it makes cards cheaper. It pumps cards up anyway, pick bone splitter pretty high.
1: yeah, it's just if you compare it to the other equipment that we're used to getting nowadays, it's just so much more efficient. It only costs one to cast and only cast costs one to equip and plus two plus o oh is a big bonus it'll turn a 1-1 one one into a 3-1 for two mana. And even if that 1-1 one one dies in combat or gets removed, it's only going to cost you one additional mana to make something else plus 2 plus so bigger. It's just very, very good. Yeah. We should talk a little bit about Modular, just kind of refresh the listeners on how that mechanic works. It's in the reminder text, but it is a little tricky.
0: Yeah, so the, the creatures come in with plus 1, plus 1 counters, depending on what Modular they have, Modular 1. For the worker and the stinger. Um, and when they die, you can take those plus one, plus one counters and put them on target artifact creature. Uh, or is it artifact or artifact creature? Artifact creature. Yeah.
1: So if you have two arcbound workers, which is just a one mana, one, one modular. Uh, if one of them dies, you can move the counter from the first one onto the second one. And then that other one, that one becomes a two, two. And then when that one dies... If you have another artifact creature in play, you can move those two plus one plus one counters to something else. So, yeah. plus one plus one counters become pretty important for the for the artifact deck, and if you have
0: some way you can manipulate those, that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, if you are lucky enough to open an Arcbound Ravager, it, these cards become pretty powerful. Yes. <laughs> but uh, that is a rare, if not a mythic, it's probably just rare. I think it's just rare. But...
1: Let's talk about some of these other
0: artifacts. Yeah, so we have some um, uh, Affinity cards, which uh, many people might have heard of as one of the most broken mechanics ever printed. Don't worry, not that broken here. Uh, <laughs> not even a little bit, actually. Um, there aren't quite enough... There, there. We don't have Artifact Lands, so that's a big thing. And, uh, like, Frogmite's just a 2-2 for for 4 Affinity, but The thing is, is the chances of you casting him as just a grizzly bear on turn two are so low uh, that he's pretty much just a gray ogre, if you're talking about on curve. And that's not that impressive. Mirror Enforcer, on the other hand, a 4-4 is huge in this format. Um, We'll talk about the power toughness breakdown later, but uh, it's pretty damn big and pretty easy to, uh, to pay only four or five mana for, so... And it can get even lower, and yeah. Um, So mirror Force is pretty good. I I don't think Frogmite is very good, even in the dedicated affinity deck.
1: I mean, I think it is... It's playable in the sense that it is another target for you to put your modular counters on. Sure. It is another artifact to power up the other things that you have that care about artifacts. Absolutely. And
0: so... It's just the weak... It's... It's it's just not busted. It's not insane. It's not nearly as good as it was in... Well, not... I shouldn't say nearly. It's not as good as it was in the original Mirrodin block. But. Right.
1: We should also note that there are colored cards that are artifacts in this set. There are some blue and black and white cards that are all artifacts. Like uh, Sanctum Gargoyle, for example, is three and a white for a 2-3 flying gargoyle. And when it enters the battlefield, you may return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. So, yeah. And that has
0: some nice synergy with Frogmite, actually, because you can probably cast it after you grab it back. Right. So
1: that is something that we don't want to overlook here. Um, Do you have much more to say on the common and uncommon artifacts here? They're kind of just going to help you fill out your curve, and if you can get into a dedicated artifact deck, they're going to do some work for you.
0: Do you want to talk about the uncommons?
1: Uh, Yeah, let's do that.
0: Okay. So we have another Artifact Keras card in Mirror Retriever. Not super great. Definitely worse than uh Sanctum Gargoyle. So I don't know. I don't see me caring too much about that guy. Um but we do have a couple of cube cards here. Uh Apocrisite and Etched Oracle. Yep. Now uh Apocrisite is fucking sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the F bomb, but I just really like this card. Um slows down uh an early rush and becomes a, a monster later. It just it's really solid for slower decks. Um yeah, that's pretty much its main role and the fact that once it gets going, like they can remove it for three turns or whatever, but it's gonna come back. And then Etched Oracle, if you're multicolor, this is a four four that you can sack to draw three. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, one of those things will be good for you if you can get it up to four counters with sunburst yeah. if you cannot it is not playable right
1: we're kind of just rattling off card names here listeners if you want to you should try to follow along with uh, a spoiler somewhere whether it's mcg salvation or mythic spoiler or just on gatherer just uh because i don't think we have time to read all of these cards and talk we, about everything yeah, we want to yeah. talk about so just just a word of warning before we move on
0: yeah, another thing about historical is there are, is modular, so, like, you could make it, like, if you could only get it out for three, you could then get another counter on it to draw the cards eventually, but... Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Anyway, I think we can move on from artifacts. Are there any other... Do you want to talk about any of the rares? I, I mean, I mentioned Darkbound Ravager, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think... Uh,
0: the swords are crazy, to be this.
1: Yeah, I mean, the obvious cards are good. The swords are good. The Dalkin Shackles is very good. Especially if you can pick it early and kind of force a, a heavy blue deck. Arcbound Ravager is good with other artifacts. I wanted to talk about a couple of the other ones here. Uh, first of which is Lotus Bloom. Would you play this card? No. It just doesn't quite do enough, does it? I mean, if you're, maybe if you're dedicated to ramp. Or five color.
0: Yeah, but then like, I don't know. I I don't I don't love it. Uh it just seems like it's it doesn't do enough. It's like the worst top deck in the world. <laughs> uh it just feels bad. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't think I would run it. Uh the other one I wanted to talk about was Aethervile or Ethervile? Yeah. That's another one that no, you don't want to play that. Yeah, I mean it it was good and constructed where you could specifically set up your curve to have a lot of two drops or a lot of three drops so that you could abuse the Aether vial every turn. Right. In limited it's a lot harder to do that. Now I've seen some people play it in limited and I've seen it do work. Uh the one thing it really helps you do is get around counter magic and there is some counter magic in this set. But I think uh, for the most part that. you should not overrate
0: either vial. No, yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel very good. Uh I don't, I mean, I personally don't even like it in cube very much. No, yeah. me neither. And you can do more with it there than here. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I don't love it. Um, cards, I do uh, love that, I don't know, maybe you haven't played with it, you don't realize, can do a lot of damage is engineered explosives. Oh, yeah. Um, especially with, cards that can return artifacts from your graveyard to your hand you can use this multiple times and get some real scary value out of it i mean as long as you don't have the same mana costs in play as your opponent uh you can do some cool things so and even then you can still like if you have fewer you're still setting up
1: potential card advantage right there sure yeah all right uh do you want to talk about multicolored or do you want to do the the mono cards first uh let's just
0: jump on multicolor right away Oh, yeah. Let's let's go wild, Jeff. All right. First card I want to talk about, Manamorphose. Is this card playable?
1: I think it is, if only because it's free and it cycles.
0: Sure. Uh, Okay. I should have rephrased it from playable to... Is it... Does it do anything (laughs) other than cycle?
1: Well, I would say it definitely does in certain decks. Like, if you are playing... Uh, a Storm deck, and there are Storm cards in this set. Uh, there's Grape Shot, there's Empty the Warrens. Manamorphos. manamorphose is a card you want. Yeah, for sure. It just um, ups your Storm count for free by one.
0: And, and replaces itself.
1: Right. So the, there's really no downside to playing it in the sense that like, like I said, it's a free card to draw. Now, I mean, the worst case scenario is that you play it on turn 2 and then you don't have anything to cast off of the mana or you top deck it and you choose the wrong colored mana somehow to not be able to play your the card I'm that you draw. draw Sure. But even then like that's really unlikely cuz you still have the rest of your lands late in the game in a top deck situation and chances are those lands are going to be of the colors of cards you're playing, you know.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Um I think the card's fine. I I mean would not I rather, a high pick, though. No. no, I mean, would I rather have a, another spell? Maybe. Most of the time, probably, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, if it is really essentially free, does it matter if it's in your deck?
0: It changes it kinda to a 39 card deck. Uh, kind which, of. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean, like, it's similar to, uh, a card in blue, a common, which is uh, Reach Through Mists. Yeah, Reach Through Mists, uh, which just cycles for one. Although that card is Arcane, and that will come up later. But uh, I don't know. It, it, I guess it kind of does what that does for Arcane. This does for Storm, I guess. Uh,
1: I suppose so. That I, way. I guess I would never be unhappy to run a Manor Morphos. I think I just might rather have... A card that is going to be business, you know?
0: Yeah. Every time I draw it. Yeah.
1: I could be incorrect.
0: I don't, I, that's what I was thinking, but, alright. Uh, moving on. The other uncommons here? Uh, yeah.
1: Murderous, Redcap, Kitchen Finks, Plume Veil, Worm Harvest. All of these are decent.
0: Worm Harvest is probably the worst. Decent? You're gonna, you're gonna call Redcap and Kitchen Finks decent? Okay, yeah, those cards are great.
1: <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I lumped in the other two with those cards, so I was gonna say at the very least they're decent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Plume Veil vale, vale is decent and, and can be a blowout for sure. Um and but Kitchen Finks and Red Cap, I mean those again, cube staples, or at least Kitchen Finks, but generally Redcap too. Uh yeah, they do work in, in many ways. Yeah, I love I, them. and the Red Cap's a goblin. Oh, and that matters. It does.
1: A goblin with Persist, which especially matters.
0: And yeah, we'll get to he, that he does later a Ton too. of work with Face vaulting. All
1: right. Uh, what other multicolor cards we got here? There are some act. Those are the. Those are the hybrids. The hybrid cards. There are some gold cards here as well. Uh, Mind funeral in blue well, black. Okay, let's let's stop there and say, what is this doing here? What do you mean? Like, why
0: is it in the set? Yeah, that's a great point. But you could say that about a lot of cards in the set. Well, some of them are like, oh, they're they're putting them in for constructed purposes. This one to reprint Mind Funeral, I don't think that's a constructed card, right? Not that I'm aware of, but I don't really play constructed, so I could be wrong. Well, I suppose, uh, yeah, I know, but <laughs> I I'm pretty sure it's it's just not. So, what were they thinking in terms of draft? I mean, this can't be. I don't. I'm so confused by it. Like, I guess you can Mind Funeral yourself, then Worm Harvest. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it is interesting because, and I wanted to note this, and I'm glad we brought it up because I forgot to write it down, is that there isn't really a milling strategy here besides Dampen Thought in the set. And that's so
0: focused on Arcane that, I mean... I don't think Mind Funeral... I mean, sure, you could put Mind Funeral in that deck, but I don't think that's the point of that. I mean, that's not really what you want to do, and it's not even necessarily a blue-black deck. It's blue red. It could be blue-black-red, but... I don't know. It just it feels like, why is it in here? But I guess, I don't know. They just want some really narrow cards, and that definitely fits the bill.
1: There need to be some last picks. I mean, yeah. this is an uncommon, too, which is kind of
0: interesting. There are other bad uncommons, like Relic of Progenitus, that are obvious constructed cards. It feels weird for Mind Funeral to be here, but hey, who knows? It'll probably kill someone someday.
1: Yeah, it's especially a bummer because a lot of the other two-color gold cards are really, really good, like Trigon Predator, Lightning Helix, Electrolyze, Tide Hollow, Sculler. Like these are all excellent cards,
0: and Blue and Black blue just black. got Mind Funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so between the hybrid and the um, gold, we have every two-color combination covered, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And I think the the short end of the stick is red, green, blue, black. Black green, green. warm harvest. Black, yeah, weird. it's no, it's it'll be it'll be okay. But how, how often do you expect to have lands in your graveyard, though? Yeah, you, I mean, it'll be okay when you have like Ravens' Crime in your deck, also, or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's talk about retrace real quick because this is a mechanic that maybe not everyone remembers. Uh, the way retrace works is you can cast the spell right. Uh, worm harvest happens to be two, and then three black green hybrid mana, so five total. It's a sorcery. It says, put a 1-1 black and green worm creature token onto the battlefield for each land card in your graveyard. Now, that card is not that good. Five mana, in especially in limited, where, like... You don't necessarily have lands. And- yeah, it's hard to get lands in the yard. Like, why are you playing this card? Okay, well, it also has this thing called retrace, uh, which is you may cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a land in addition to paying its other costs. So, Worm Harvest, once it's in your graveyard... If you have a land in your hand, you can discard that land to pay the five mana and then have it resolve again. And you can do this as many times as you have lands to, to pitch and mana
0: to pay the cost. Right. So, so the first time it might net you nothing, second time it's one and then it keeps going up from there, which is pretty terrible. Uh, you're going to want other ways to put lands in the yard. I'm not sure what those other ways are. I mean, there are other retrace spells, but not very many.
1: Yeah. Mine funeral.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Actually, I mean,
1: no, wait. Mind Funeral says Target Opponent. You can't even mill yourself oh,
0: with it. Oh, wow. God, so,
1: can't live that dream. Anyway, so that's Retrace. That'll come up on a couple other cards. And, uh yeah, I, I do want to make sure we kind of touch on all the mechanics at least a little bit. It's just, yeah. like, a good way to get late-game value. Most of the cards that have it tend to be a little underpowered upon the first casting.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, as far as these two-color multicolored cards? Uh Lightning Helix, Electrolyze, Kitchen Finks, Red Cap. Predator, those are my favorite five. Yeah, Plume
1: Bale is also very good.
0: I mean, just a 4-4 blocker with flying. Yeah, and Sculler is and awesome. Sc- Yeah,
1: Sculler is sweet, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're all pretty sweet. I think uh, they'll all be snatched up pretty quick, except maybe, I mean, yeah, no, I see them all pretty much going pretty quick, because they're all, like, all those ones, except for maybe Trigon Predator, are in, like, obvious color combinations, too. Yeah.
1: And we'll we'll get Uh,
0: to archetypes later. Yeah. But, yeah, those are the gold cards. Uh, Most of them are good. We talked about the ones that you probably want to stay away from. Yeah, let's talk about green cards. Yeah. Uh, So, green cards. Uh, The thing that jumps out at me for commons right away, if you go down and look at our power toughness breakdown and look at how many creatures have five power or five toughness. Well, there's only two. And they happen to both be common green cards. Uh, Dirkwood, Baloth, and Imperiosaur, both really good cards. And that makes me a little scared of green. Because they're just so much bigger than anything else. And cheap as hell to cast. Um, Four mana for a 5-5 is crazy at common. And uh, the Dirkwood, Baloth, you just get to suspend it on turn one and reap your rewards later. And even if you have to cast it for 6, a 6 mana for a 5-5 five, five is not it's that bad. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty reasonable. It totally is. And, yeah, but obviously you want to be suspending on turn 1. That's the biggest. You want to go <laughs> turn 1 Bailop into turn 2 Dust Wasp into, like, Rift Elemental and go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, sure, that's living some kind of crazy dream. One thing we
1: should mention about the suspend guys is that they do not develop your board on those turns that you suspend them. So if you look at what green actually has to do to actually develop the board on turns one and two, it's very little.
0: It is very little. I mean, especially turn two, uh, you have a Thalid Shell Dweller. End statement. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think that card is fine. Yeah, no, that card is good. And I probably
1: love that. considering that there are no other good early green drops, it's probably going to be pretty important.
0: Totally. Um, but it is it is interesting because it's it make, like we've been pretty used to green green bears you know and green being a fairly aggressive color um, which I still think this that green can be an aggressive color it just uh, if you just look at the green commons it does not feel that aggressive at all
1: yeah in general the set seems to be it looks like they're trying to make the set kind of slow yeah definitely whether that works out or not who knows um. One thing we should mention when we're talking about two drops is that every color has a a land cycler, a basic land cycler. Mm -hmm. Uh, In green, it's Sylvan Bounty, which is six mana, five and a green, instant, target player gains eight life. Or it has basic land cycling, where you pay a colorless and a green, discard it, search a library for a basic land, reveal it, and put it into your hand and then shuffle. So there's mana fixing in every color at common for two
0: mana. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh The Bounty is a landcycler 95% of the time. Um I'm sure some of you know that sometimes you just need to gain that life, Uh but it's pretty rare.
1: Yeah. I mean, even looking at the rest of the cards, rares included, there really isn't that much for green to do on turn two.
0: No, yeah, I mean, you're probably going to be basic landcycling a good amount of the time. So, I mean,
1: one thing to keep in mind when you're, when you're building a green deck, or if you're gonna play green or draft green, you should be looking to pair it with a color that has more two drops. Yeah. And, we, we've talked about this off the cast. White seems to be the best
0: color for that. Yeah, we have, uh, three. I mean, two of them are two ones that might just be two ones, but that could just be good enough, and you also have the veteran armor, which is pretty absurd with green because phalads. Yeah, buddy. We got, we got some fun guys over here. <laughs> I uh, see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, so phalads are creatures that gain counters every upkeep, and can you can remove three of those counters to put a 1-1 a one, one sapling token in, into play. And some of them have uh, extra abilities that you can sacrifice a uh, sapling to do something. The Thalid is just a one-one. The Thalid Shell Dweller is an 0-5 for two. Um, and then the Thalid Germinator, you get you get a gray ogre that can pump a creature plus one plus one by sacrificing a sapling. So you get start to get some use out of your saplings besides them just being creatures. Um, the reason I mentioned the armor with these, obviously a bunch of tokens uh, get plus one plus or plus, o plus one, and combat becomes a nightmare for your opponent attacking into you. Yeah, we um, sh-
1: we should mention that when you say that these cards get counters every upkeep, they're not like plus 1 plus 1 counters, they're just Oh yeah. spore counters.
0: They're just counting up, yeah. Yeah. How many you got. Mm-hmm. Uh and the cool thing is at 5 mana you have this guy spore Loth Agent, which uh is another one, but he has this ability that says every uh fungus, all these are all these faelds are funguses or fun funguses. Come on, Jeff, you just made the joke.
1: It actually just says creatures you control
0: Oh, it does? Yeah, um, so if somehow you get some spore counters on your non-Phalids. Yeah, but what you can do is remove two to create a uh, sapling instead of the normal three. So all of a sudden, these things generate tokens m- much faster. And uh, it might seem really slow to take three turns to just get a 1-1, but these cards are fine on their own. And then you go up into the white area, you see Pallid Microderm at, at common, and uh, things start to get out of hand um when you're sacking to pump your entire team. Yeah. Anyway, that's its own kind of deck. This whole token strategy, I think, is a whole thing you could try to do. It's just all about slowing down the game until you can just overwhelm with these tokens.
1: Yeah. The other thing green is trying to do, and this kind of fits in with the, the no two drops plan and a lot of big creatures plan, is ramp. Uh, at common, you have both Search for Tomorrow and Kadama's Reach. And both of these cards are are cards that search up lands from your library and put them onto the battlefield. So Kadama's Reach puts one into play and one into your hand. So on turn three, uh, you ramp up to four mana, and then on turn five, you're guaranteed to have your fifth land drop. So you you ramp up from on turn four, instead of casting a four drop, you're casting a five drop, which is pretty sweet. Uh, Search for Tomorrow is a land searcher uh, that has suspend, So you can suspend it on turn one for a single green mana, and then two turns later it fires off and gets a basic land onto the battlefield untapped. So if you suspend it on turn one, on turn three, you'll be up to four mana. Is that how that works? That's correct. So these cards are both very good at kind of getting you ahead on mana to cast your big Imperiosaurs and Penumbra Spiders and Sporaloth Ancients, or even just casting a giant dust wasp without suspending it.
0: Yeah. Now, the other syner- like, kind of pseudo synergy you have in this uh, color is Dredge. Um, there's actually only two cards with it. Um, one of them is just okay, which is Greater Moss Dog. He's just simply a hill giant, or a, I don't know, what do you call those nowadays? Uh, Call it a hill three. giant, a three three for four. I mean, when, what was the last hill giant they printed? But uh, three three for four. The dredges for four, I think, or is it three?
1: Uh, I'll tell you. It is uh, dredge three.
0: Yeah, three. Um, which means instead of drawing a card for the turn, you can put this card in your hand and put the top three cards of your library in your graveyard. Now, the reason I say there's synergy is because if you have multiple cards with dredge, you can. Fill your graveyard with more cards you can instead draw, basically. Uh, and the other card is Moldervine Cloak. <laughs> and it's crazy good. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very good. Uh, three mana for a plus three, plus three in uh, Aura. Now, that's above the curve for an Aura. And the fact that it doesn't really go away if you don't want it to is just crazy. I mean, it's it's like a an equipment that you have to skip your draw step for if you want to put it on a creature again, but it does, it just gives a massive bonus. And, uh, yeah, I foresee that doing a ton of work, uh, especially in the green white deck, since you have the early creatures in in white to put the cloak on. It's going to be real nasty.
1: Another card I want to talk about real quick. We mentioned kind of the Thalid token strategy. There is a pump spell in green at common. It's called echoing courage one and a green for an instant, target, creature, and all other creatures with the same name as that creature get plus two, plus two until end of turn. Yeah. Now, most of the time it's just going to be plus two, plus two to a single creature, but every once in a while you'll be able to get
0: a lot more value than that. Yeah, you'll uh, target a sapling, and hey, guess what? I have three saplings. They all get plus two, plus two. Or maybe you have an Empty the Warrens in your deck, and you got to... Get four of goblins, and all of a sudden you can give all four of them plus two plus two. Yep, you can, can do some nice things in that
1: way. Speaking of goblins, you want to talk about red cards, or is there anything yep. else you got on green?
0: Uh, no, not really. Um, I so in this curve thing, I put uh Sit Sitinal Wood Readers at six mana. Uh, it it costs three, but it's six to kick it. At three mana, it's pretty mediocre, but truthfully, a one four in this format is. Probably just good enough where you'll often cast it for three. Um, so it should really be in both spots, kind of, but I didn't want to put it th- on there twice.
1: Yeah. I actually uh, did put it on there twice for, uh, some other sections in the spreadsheet because it is one or the other.
0: Yeah. And it's very good at, um, six, but it's probably, possibly just as good at three. So, yeah. So it just, I don't know. I'll, I'll copy it over there now. Just. So, so before
1: you, you forget. Well, while you're doing that, uh I will start talking about the red cards and just looking at the commons, there are a lot of spells. I don't know if you noted noted uh which colors had the most spells, but red has a lot of them and yeah. many of them are burn spells. There's two at two drop that have that are burn spells, glacial rain grape shot. There's Rift Bolt at three, which can also suspend for one. There's Torn of Stone at four, and then there's Fiery Fall, which is the basic land cycler at six. Um, There's also Crush Underfoot, which is a tribal spell, and not that relevant unless you're all in on giants. But Red has a lot of ways to deal damage to creatures, and a few ways to deal damage to
0: players. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, it's kind of and they they also have two pump spells, which are, can kind of be looked at as damage to the face as well, right, brute force, which is just a color shifted giant growth, yeah, and then fury yep. charm, which can give plus one plus one and trample, which could be a big game.
1: Fury charm seems especially interesting because it also says destroy target artifact, hey, you have yeah. to choose one of these modes, but because there is an artifact sub theme, I have a feeling fury charm will be worth main decking some of the time at least in decks where maybe you're
0: stretching for some playables. Yeah, and if you're if you're pairing this up with say green that has two suspend cards, also removing two counters from a suspend creature can be pretty huge when you're ambushing something.
1: Yeah. Can we talk about how suspend works real quick just to remind listeners about that?
0: Oh, sure. Um so suspend cards have a cost, a mana cost that and it's an it's an ability you use in your um when they're in your hand. Uh, so Dirkwood bailoff costs six, but you can suspend it for one, which means you exile it with time counters on it, a certain amount. I think bailoff is five. That's correct. Um, every upkeep, you'll remove a time counter, and then once it has zero, you can cast it for free. Um, and this can happen at any time. So uh, obviously, you remove the counters at upkeep, so you'll generally have to cast it On upkeep. Oh, and you have to cast it when you remove the last counter. Yep. Uh, uh, But with something like Fury Charm, you could do it it during combat. Remove the last two counters, put a Baileth in, block your 3-3, you're crying all the way to the bank.
1: Well, the other thing to mention (laughs) is that when that last suspend counter comes off, the creature gains haste. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. So the turn it comes into play on your side, if it just comes in naturally on your upkeep, you can attack with it that turn.
0: Right, so Dirkwood bailoff comes in on turn six uh if you cast if you suspended it turn one, but it comes in on turn six with haste, and it like although it could come on in on turn six naturally, uh that means you'd have to hit a land drop every turn. that's kind of difficult, so. kind of unlikely, yeah, yeah, all right, back to the red cards, so yeah, we have a ton of uh spells, and like you said. Five of them, are, or six of them are removal spells. One being very conditional, another only killing very small things.
1: And, I, I mean, the giant growth variant is also sort of a removal spell. So, like, there's a lot of ways
0: to kind of get your opponent in red. Yeah, there's a, yeah. It's just, yeah. I've, I've, red is the most removal heavy color, and um, I think it's going to be pretty solid only because of that fact. The weird thing is, with two pump spells, you'd think there'd be more creatures, but (laughs) there aren't. Uh, So pair it with something, say, like green, and you have a lot more creatures to pump, or with white. Which is, I think those are the two uh, most creature-heavy
1: colors, uh, as always. Um, Yeah, You can also pair it with black for the goblin sub-theme.
0: Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about goblins. We have Mog War Marshal at two in red. Uh, this is another cube card. Pretty damn good for two mana. Um, you get two 1-1s for two mana, uh, one of which has Echo for another two. But if he dies, you get another one back. So you can just let him die and just keep it keep with the two. Um, an awesome use of the Maguire Marshals in slow decks. You play him turn two, and then you just chump with the Echo creature, and you essentially lost nothing and got to gain free life. And then you have two chump blockers for later. Uh, or you can use it as maybe some goblin fodder for face falter later. We'll talk about him in a bit. Um, or tar pitcher. Or tar pitcher, or maybe you just want more goblins because you have a, a lord, which is uncommon. Um So Mog War Marshal feels like maybe like one of the, probably the best non-spell red card.
1: I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, a common, it depends on what you're trying to do. I think Sting Scourger is better.
0: Yeah, Sting Scourger is also very powerful, also a goblin. Um, this guy is a, essentially a mana war for two mana, but he does have echo for four. So you can't just cast him on two.
1: Or on, on three.
0: Or on three and expect anything more than a bounce. But sometimes that's all you need, and also you get, you get a bounce and a chump block if you want. Um which, again, like the War Marshal, just really lets you get into the late game. Um, and in the late game, you can play some Giants. Yeah. Uh, because that's another theme here. We have, um, a stink drinker, stink drinker Daredevil, which is a Goblin, but he makes your Giants cost two less, so you can possibly ramp them out. And then you have some other guys, like Blind Spot Giant, three mana, four, three that only works if you have another Giant. Um, a thundering giant's a 4-3 haste for 5. And then, uh, you got a changeling, which a changeling, if you don't, if you didn't play in Warwin, is, uh, a creature that has every single creature type. So it's a, it's a giant and a goblin. Yeah, it's everything. And there are a few of those through
1: the set and they'll, like, they'll become more important as we talk more about what else is going on in the other colors. It's especially good in red because it is both a goblin and a giant. And there are cards in red-white that care a lot about giants. So that's the giant-color pair, if you're going to go that route. Now, how how good do you think that deck's going to be?
0: I actually don't think it'll focus that much on giants, the red-white deck. I think it's just going to be an aggressive deck. Um, But it's going to be pretty good, because you have a lot of, like, like we said, two pump spells, a lot of creatures in white. Um, as well as things that can, like big things that can punch through damage in the late game. You have like, a, you know, your five mana spell at common has haste, which is awesome. Yeah. There's a lot going for it. I don't think it's necessarily going to be giant heavy though. Yeah. And if, if it is, I mean, you're probably tabling things like blind spot giant and crush underfoot, which is a big game. Cause if you are that heavily gianted, those cards are good.
1: Definitely. Now, I want to, speaking of giants, I want to talk about the one you didn't mention, which is Hammerheim Deadeye, which is 4 mana for a 3 3 giant warrior. Uh, it also has Echo, which is more expensive than its regular cost, but when he enters the battlefield, you can destroy target creature with flying. So it's essentially a 4 mana destroy a flyer, have a chump blocker, at the very least.
0: Yeah, and if you have 6 mana, then. You can keep the 3-3 three, three if you want them. Right. Uh, um,
1: this card seems pretty important, mostly because the white-blue deck has a lot, and I mean
0: a lot of flyers. Yeah, it's it's a lot of flyers. Flyers, and yeah, it's, it's pretty good.
1: <laughs> like, I don't, there aren't that many blue creatures in the set that don't have flying.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, at common, there's three of them.
1: There's that's the Dismisser,
0: which Dismister. is more of a spell than a creature. Yeah, Dismisser and Ether Snipe both more spells.
1: And then there's a Ethereum Sculptor,
0: Sculptor. Hmm.
1: like literally that's rares included. There are only three cards, three creatures in blue that is won't... that is
0: that rares included?
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? So
0: you'll be flying for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah. That is ridiculous. Holy crap. So the Deadeye seems like a pretty important card. That's yeah. all I'm gonna say.
0: Be killing errant ephemerons all day. Yeah.
1: Um getting back to red cards, the other the only other card I really want to talk about before we move on is uh Glacial Ray. And this is an arcane instant. Uh the way arcane works is it uh some arcane spells have this thing called splice onto arcane. So glacial ray normally is a colorless and a red for an instant. It deals two damage to target creature or player. Now, splice on arcane says one and a red. As you cast an arcane spell, you may reveal this card from your hand and pay its splice cost. If you do, add this card's effect to that spell. So the easy example to make here is let's say you have two glacial rays. I play one for two mana. For an additional two mana, I splice the second one onto the first one. Suddenly, that first one I cast deals 2 damage, and then it also deals 2 damage. So I'm not actually casting the second copy of Glacial Ray, so it stays in my hand to be cast again later, right? Right. And, and so you get double the effect on that first Glacial Ray you cast, but without having to give up the second Glacial Ray, the card itself. So ultimately, for two Glacial
0: Rays, you can do 6 damage. Right. And it, you get to choose new targets. So. Yeah. It's right. just, it's essentially casting the spell like uh, for, for or without putting without it in the grid,
1: losing the card. Yeah, and there are other like there. You can splice onto arcane as many times as you have other arcane spells to cast. Right.
0: You can't you can't splice the same arcane spell multiple times though. No, that's correct. Yep, and Glacial Ray will be very important, especially in the blue red deck.
1: Yeah, it's just a very very good card, especially if you can get two copies because that little dream scenario i just outlined is something that happened often enough back yeah, in it really did kamigawa block yeah the other uh, arcane spell in red is torrent of stone which also happens to be a burn spell that deals four damage to a creature
0: so, and and we have lava spike yeah arcane. i don't think lava spike is playable i don't know yeah you're probably right but I don't know. If I have enough Glacier Rays and Torrents of Stones, I'm probably throwing a Lava Spike in there. Uh, I could see that, but I wouldn't feel great about it. Yeah. Torrent of Stone also splices on Arcane. You have to sacrifice two Mountains for the cost, but still probably worth it some of the time.
1: Yeah. We talked about how Morphos works with Empty of the Warrens and Grapeshot Shot as Storm cards, so I just wanted to bring that up one more time before we move on.
0: Mhm. Uh, black cards? Black cards. Uh, so we have... Again, Goblin theme happening. I mentioned Face Falter. He's a 1-1. One, one. You can sack a Goblin, pay a mana, sack a Goblin, give him plus 2, plus 2. Especially important because there's a lot of token making happening at common in, in red for Goblins with Empty the Warrens and Mog Marshall. Marshal. There's um, also another black 1-drop called Festering Goblin, which wants you to sacrifice it. Right. When it dies, you get to give something minus 1, minus 1. I think Festering Goblin's better use is probably just to slow the game down. In for sure. a, In a good chump blocking scenario, which isn't really a chump block, it's, you get to kill things. Now, black is just full of tribes, so we have goblins, mentioned them. Uh, we also have rebels. Uh, for those of you that didn't play with rebels, there, there's only two of them in the set that can, that can have, that have like the rebel ability, which is you can pay four mana, tap it, Search up a rebel with mana cost three or less from your deck and put it into play. Now, I I said four mana tap it. They actually had rebels that different costs did different things, but. In this uh, set? In this set, only four mana to get something three or less. Important to remember, it can also grab changelings.
1: Now, the one changel, one of the changelings that can't grab is the three, three red one because that one costs four mana.
0: Right. But, uh, so Blightspeaker is the, the rebel that can search in black. And um, it's a 1-1 that can tap to lo- make an opponent lose a life. But what it can search up is Rathy Trapper and Deep Cavern Imp. Um, Raffi Trapper being a Master Decoy in black, which is really good. Yeah, that card's excellent. Um, and it makes, like, every Raffi Trapper you have makes every Blight Speaker you see much better. Uh, and then Deep Cavern Imp is a 2-2 Flying Haste for three, but it has Echo of sacrificing a land.
1: No, Echo discard a card.
0: Oh, oh really? Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was sac a land. Nope, it's discard a card. Okay, that's worse than I thought. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's still playable though. Ah, Worm Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also just one of those cards that you can plan for, and yeah, you would save a land or something that you wouldn't need to,
0: or like even just a retrace spell itself to pitch, you know? Right. And and it's and it can do some decent work, uh, just casting it since it does is it is a two two flying haste, and you, going down a card to get in early damage might be what you're trying to do in black, depending. Yeah. So yeah, so there's another tribe there. It's pretty minor, as there's only one card that really cares, which is white speaker.
1: It's more of a white ability, so the, these black cards are just gonna be incentive for you to make your rebel decks white black.
0: Absolutely, yeah. there's there's only two guys that that search and you're gonna want access to both if you're trying to go for rebels. Um, but given that they they are fairly mediocre if you're not they by fairly mediocre. They're very mediocre if you're not searching up rebels. so uh, they may be you may be able to see them pretty late. yeah, the last tribe in black is fairies, and
1: these cross over with blue, and there's there's a number of them actually in black, and there's also a a, a tribal instant that's a fairy card. Um, this tribe is kind of the controlling, uh, flying tribe, I guess, is the best way to describe it.
0: Yeah. Um, I think most people know fairies, uh, today. It's pretty, I don't know. It was pretty dominant when it was a deck. Whoops. Sorry. Just fucked up the spreadsheet. Fix it. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) you've definitely heard of fairies now playing with them, I think is a different story. The the we were discussing this before we started recording. One of the nice things about the fairy tribe is that you don't necessarily need, like, to pick every fairy you see to make a good fairy deck like you would with goblins, right? One of the things you can do with fairies is kind of just take the best control cards and then take fairies along with them because that's, it's more about just your plan overall than specific synergies between the creatures themselves.
0: Right. Black doesn't have quite as many of the, like, We care about fairies card. Well, maybe it has the same amount, but... Pepper
1: Smoke's the big one, and that's the Tribal Instant. It's uh, a black mana. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. If you control a fairy, draw a card. So, uh, conditional removal that cycles. uh, It's a good little combat trick. That's a good card. Especially if you're drawing the
0: card. Yeah, and if... I mean, it's also, like, just okay if you're not playing any fairies, or not playing many fairies, so it's possible to see it kind of late which is really nice. Yeah,
1: aside from green, there are a lot of one toughness dudes in this format.
0: Yeah, a ton. Uh we have in fact 18 of them at common. Wow, that's a yeah. lot. It's a ton. Yeah. Um unfortunately things like Mogwar Marshal are not great targets, but <laughs> <laughs> but hey, yeah, so we have Pepper Smoke. The other thing that cares is Thieving Sprite. Uh three mana, one one flying. It's kinda like a ravenous rats that you pay an extra for for flying. Um but if you have more fairies, they have to reveal more cards and you get to choose one that they have to discard. Um so it can be a little bit better, but really it's just like a little bit of a value one one flying, um, which is kind of the theme of the tribe. <laughs> now the card that fairy that I am really excited about is Dream Spoiler, which is which doesn't give any shits about fairies, really. <laughs> nope. Uh, it cares about instants or cards with flash, because whenever you cast a spell on your opponent's turn, target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. So you can really mess up combat with this guy. Um, even in, I mean, we talked about how many spells there are in the red deck, so you don't have to be black-blue for Dream Spoiler Witches to be crazy good. Like, all the red spells love Dream Spoiler Witches, so... It's or I guess all the instant red spells, but there are a lot of them. but yeah, I like that card a lot. Uh, it does cost four and there's a lot of four drops in the set, but
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: still a good card.
1: The other thing I'm noticing here is that black while while black is always the graveyard centric color, there are a lot of cards that care about dumping things into the yard. Uh, there are a couple spells with delve. Uh, the uncommon is called death rattle. It's five and a black for an uncommon instant. Uh, it says Destroy Target non-green creature. It can't be regenerated, but it also has Delve, which allows you to exile any number of cards from your graveyard to reduce the cost by a colorless for each card, like exiled in that way. That, along with another common in black, Stinkweed Imp, uh, which, like the Moldervine Cloak that Jeff talked about earlier, is another Dredge card. This is a 1-2 flyer with... It's not Death Touch, but it's essentially Death Touch. It's Death Touch, yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: Old Death Touch.
1: And it has Dredge 5. So it's going to kill whatever it blocks, assuming that that uh, attacking creature doesn't have First Strike or something, right? And then it's going to go to the yard, and then you can draw it again and fill up your graveyard. And from there, you can do a bunch of fun stuff. You can start uh, retracing spells, like Raven's Crime, like Worm Harvest, You can Mm -hmm. start getting creatures back with uh, Death Denied, which is the Raise Dead variant in this format. So there's a lot for you to do in the graveyard. It's just not direct on how you get those cards into the yard. Right. Okay, uh, but yeah, so that's Stinkweed Imp. Let's talk about some blue cards.
0: Yeah, so uh, blue is a pretty awesome color here. Uh, We have Back to the Fairy Tribe. Uh, A couple fairies in Spellstutter Sprite and Latchkey Fairy that care about the tribe. Um, Spellstutter Sprite is actually fine without any other fairies. It's just a force spike attached to a 1 1 flying.
1: We interrupt this podcast to warn you that Greg and Jeff are about to gloriously overrate Spellstutter Sprite as a mana leak variant as opposed to a spell blast variant. You have been warned. Now back to your regularly scheduled East West Draft Guest programming.
0: Which is pretty awesome. Um, and if you have more fairies out, it's a mana leak attached to a 1 1 flying. So I like that card a lot. Um, Latchkey Fairy is a Prowl card if you damage a opponent with a blah blah blah. It's an annoying mechanic that I've always hated, but, um. Why, why do you hate it? Just, I did not know that you hated Prowl. Uh, it just. It just like too, it feels like too much. Like it, I understand that it's like just the same as say like blood. What fuck? What's it called? Bloodthirst. Um, but it really feels less intuitive and more weird. It's weird that it reduces the cost and it allows you to
1: like have abilities happen like ETB yeah. effects. So Lash- Lashku kills- Fairy is a four mana three one flyer. If you damage your opponent with a fairy or a rogue, and Latchkey Fairy happens to be a fairy rogue, you can cast it for two and a blue.
0: And when it enters the battlefield, if its prowl cost was paid, you can draw a card. Yeah. So like the dream is turn two, counter their thing with spell sprite, attack, play Latchkey Fairy, draw a card. Yep. Pretty pretty brutal. Um, but anyway. Uh, so those are the fairies. There's a couple other fairies that don't care about fairies. One cares about artifacts. Fairy Mechanist, um, kind of impulses for artifacts when it comes to play. Four mana, two, two flying. Good card if you're a uh, heavy artifact. And Pestermite, which I love, uh, taps or untaps, or twiddles when it comes into play. Yeah. I mean, for those that know, uh, Kiki Jiki, Pestermite is a combo. They are both in this set. It is possible. Uh, <laughs>
1: If you see Kiki Jiki, you probably
0: just have to take it and then slam blue cards until you hit a Pestermite. <laughs> yeah, because you will. But Pestermite's a good card, and it probably goes pretty high. It's a very good Windrake. Um, it's also got Flash. I don't know if I mentioned that.
1: But... Yeah, it's a 2 1, not a 2 2, but
0: it but, is yeah, it is still very close good.
1: To, close to just a Windrake. The other fairy is a 1 1 Changeling that's
0: pretty much unplayable, Moth Dust Changeling. So Yeah, probably ignore that card. Um, we have Errant Ephemeron, which is really good. Um, it's a seven mana four, four flying, which is overcosted pretty, pretty much too expensive for that. Um, although some decks will still want it just because they want a finisher and it's definitely a finisher, but it has suspend for two and it comes in, I think, after four turns. That's correct, which is, ah oh, man, it's good. Uh, it's got the same suspend as I think. The Giant Dust Wasp, right? Or no, that's three turns, I think. It I has know. the same cost, but yeah, it takes one turn longer to get into play. But it dominates the board. I mean, it's it's a very, very powerful card and just a great thing to do on turn two for a blue deck. Because um, it, it likes not spending mana later in the game when it wants to draw cards. Speaking of drawing cards, holy god, do we have a lot of draw spells. Yep. Um, Mostly at Uncommon. Yeah, but Reach Through Mist, uh, Peer Through Depths, Perilous Research, and Petals of Insight, all draw cards. Those are all commons. Those are all commons, and then we move into Uncommon. We have even more. We can talk about those if we want. But, um, yeah, so Perilous Research is an interesting one. Draw two, sacrifice a permanent for two at instant speed. Uh, Generally going to be sacrificing a land uh,
1: later in the game often. Yeah, you might also get just like a Thalid token or a
0: Goblin token if you're going that route too, though. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, sometimes you might want to hold onto your lands, but it's it's a nice late-game draw spell because it only costs two and you get two cards. You can sacrifice, if you're sacrificing a land, sacrifice one you just tapped. You still have all your other mana to cast the spells you just drew. Yep. It can Um,
1: set you behind a turn, but it's still probably, like you said, most of the time you're going to just sack a land.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. Um And then we have Reach Through Mist, Peer Through Depths, and Petals of Insight, all arcane, all yep. draw. Um Reach Through Mist just uh, cycles. Um And then Peer Through Depths looks for an instant or sorcery in the top four for two. And then Petals of Insight is the big draw spell at common. Five mana to draw three most of the time. You can look at the top three, or you do look at the top three, you could decide not to draw them, put them on the bottom of your deck, and keep keep Petals of Insight to cast another day. Um, but generally, you're going to draw those three cards.
1: But what am I going to do with all these arcane spells and nothing to splice onto
0: them, Jeff? Oh, but you have things. <laughs> oh, like uh, what? Not to mention the red cards we talked about already. We have dampen Thought. Yeah! So everyone that played in Kamigawa Block just got a big Raging Heart on. <laughs> uh, this, this was like a favorite silly-ass deck, uh, the Dampen Thought Splice deck. It's two mana, a uh, colorless and a blue, to mill four. Now, it has splice on arcane for the same cost, so multiples of these you get to mill a ton. Combo that on all these other arcane spells we just talked about, two of which cost one and two mana, and search for more cards. You're milling so damn fast if you get the cards.
1: Yeah, it helps that a lot of the arcane spells are drawing you cards to help you dig to more dampened thoughts
0: or to more arcane spells to kind of keep the train rolling along, you know? Right. And if you're blue-red, you also have removal spells you can splice, which is huge because you're wanting to stay alive all at the same time while milling them out. And it, like, this deck seems like a control deck, but it's almost just an aggro deck. Yeah, it's a combo deck. Yeah, it just, it goes, it mills so very fast. You, you want to cast it, I think, six times, I want to say. Um, which sounds like a ton, but it really happens way faster than you would expect. Now, if somebody else at the table is drafting the dampened thought deck, you are just screwed. You're boned. It, because it does, it will not support two drafters. I don't care what anybody says. It will not. And the real the real thing you want to do is to just, to, just to be drafting blue, maybe blue-red. Don't pick up, probably don't pick up the Dampened Thoughts until they table. And then you move in all in. And the deck is pretty, I mean, I'm assuming, I haven't played, uh, but I'm assuming the deck is probably pretty good.
1: Yeah, I am assuming the deck is risky.
0: If oh, only because, sure. like you
1: said, there are two, if you have two drafters, it becomes a lot worse. And like you said, the best color to pair it with is probably red. And other than that, like, white, I think, only has one arcane spell. Nope, two. But one of them's, like, an artifact enchantment destruction spell. Right. The other one's, like, a weird creature, like, protecting spell. So those don't really stay on plan with what you're trying to do. At least the, right. uh, like, the red one, like you said, is a removal spell. The, there's a black arcane spell at Uncommon that's a removal spell, I have a feeling it's going to be blue, black, or blue, red most of the time.
0: Yeah, and probably blue, red. I mean, the other arcane in black is just absolutely not on the plan at all. It's uh, yeah. a, raised, a raised dead, so... Yeah. Um, well, I mean, but, the, other, the other
1: red one is just a, a ritual, so you're not doing a whole of... True, lot but red there. already
0: had two great ones, so... At common. That's all yeah,
1: I'm that's fair. Now... One thing we should say is that, and I know we're going to talk about archetypes later, but multicolor is supported to some extent in this format through the green, like land searchers, but also through vivid lands. So you're going to be able to splash and your, your, uh, Dammit thought decks will be base blue, but you might be dipping into white and red or black and red to, to get that deck enough arcane spells to
0: function. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I mentioned before, with there not being a lot of unplayables, this will be kind of similar to Cube, where you should not have trouble hitting your 23 at all. No. So, so picking up Vivids is going to be a high priority for people, I think. Yeah. Uh,
1: there are a couple other blue cards I want to talk about. The first is the Basic Land Cycler, which is called Traumatic Visions. You can basically land cycle it for 2 mana, but it's also 3 and 2 blue for an instant counter-target spell. This was probably my favorite of the land cyclers because if you do draw it late, it is just one of those cards that is
0: always useful. It's just, nope, not casting that, you know? Yeah, It's a hard counter. And uh, blue is actually surprisingly quick on its feet in terms of its, like, you know, Pester Might... Lashkey Fairy, Spellstutter Sprite, Errant Ephemeron, like, these cards all are cheap. And so you're spending all your mana early, and then once you hit the late game, it's like you can just sit on these awesome cards and uh, just protect protect your neck. Yeah. Uh,
1: the next card I want to talk about is Vidalkin Dismisser, which is 5 and a blue for a 2-2, which admittedly is very bad, but when it enters the battlefield put target creature on top of its owner's library. So that's like not just a misraven ability where you're bouncing the creature to their hand. You're denying them a draw step as well. This card is very powerful and it took people a while to figure that out back in Ravnica
0: block. Yeah, I do think that. So, so it's really interesting at common. We also have ether snipe at six, which is essentially, it's very similar. Um, also bounces at six mana. This one's a four-four instead of a two-two, which is pretty nice. And it also has Evoke for one blue-blue, so you can do it at turn three if you need to. An Aether and Ether
1: Snipe can hit any
0: permanent, not just creatures or right. non- non-land permanent, excuse me. Right. But it only uh, puts puts it in hand, not on top of deck. But I still like the Ether Snipe more than the Dismisser, so I could see it being worse here than it was in Ravnica.
1: Yeah, it's possible. I do think that if you happen to end up in a blue-green combination, you're going to want to be ramping into Dismissers, into uh, ether oh, snipes. Yeah. Like, that's oh, the dream, yeah. I think.
0: That's real nice, yeah.
1: So uh, the last card I want to talk about in blue is Erratic Mutation. This is another instant. Two colors in a blue. Choose target creature, reveal cards from the top until you hit a non-land card, and the creature gets plus X, minus X until in a turn, where X is the card's converted mana cost. Like this is a removal spell in blue. It's albeit yeah. a, a conditional situational unpredictable one. But it's blue doesn't always have
0: access to cards like this, so that's nice. Yeah, it is nice. Um generally you're gonna be targeting things with two toughness, because that's a pretty close to a guaranteed hit unless you're playing reach through mists. Right. Or or other one drops. But yeah, but most of the time it's gonna hit. Sometimes you're gonna have to gamble on a three or a maybe even a four toughness thing. Uh, there are some high cost, low, like actual low cost cards because of suspend and, um, affinity. So it's kind of nice with erratic mutation and because that, that exists. Uh, also with the, um, land site, basic land cyclers. Yep. Um, so your deck can have a higher cost overall, but with, but things cost actually less than they look. At the same time, like, to take a gamble to try to kill something when you could miss is not always the best play. Yeah. All right, let's get into white. Yeah. Um, yeah, white's probably my favorite color. Um, with, I mentioned all this, like, uh, unplayable narrow thing. Um, I, They only have, like, four what I call narrow cards. Uh, green has the, the least. They only have two what I call narrow because they're generally just dudes that are dudes. Um, but here, like, we have a lot of cards that are just good in decks. Just good yeah. in most decks.
1: The white and green cards are very straightforward. I think that's the best way to think about it.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, we have a theme here of artifacts, like, uh, Blue did. We, I don't think we really mentioned it much, but, um,
1: Court right.
0: and Sanctum Gargoyle. We talked about the Gargoyle already. Court Amunculus, one mana, one one. Could be a two-two if you control another artifact. Uh, I mentioned somewhere later on this spreadsheet that Court homunculus into bone splitter, probably the most powerful thing you can be doing on turn two. Seems like it. Yeah.
1: Um 4 2 attacker. Yikes.
0: Yeah. But it it is kind of narrow. So uh I don't know. But the nice thing about the homunculus is that if you are that deck, those guys are tabling pretty much for sure. Moving on, we have uh Giants like we mentioned Here, our card that cares about giants is a Kithkin Greatheart, a 2-1, that becomes a 3-2 first strike when you have a giant in play. Uh, I see this 2-1 becoming a 3-2 most often because of Avian Changeling.
1: Yeah, that's the dream
0: turn 3 for the white deck is turn 2 Greatheart, turn 3 Changeling, attack for 3 with Greatheart. Right. And uh, because there's not very many 2-drops in the set, we talked about this already, a lot of the 2-drops are suspend cards. So they're not affecting the board. Uh, just a 2-1 for 2 is pretty, pretty fine. And, um, we also have Amru Scout, which is our Rebel, who does, who is a 2-1 for 2. Uh, and he searches for 4, just like the Bright Blight Speaker did. Uh, here, instead of just having the two other cards that we can search up, uh, we have an extra card because of Avian Changeling. Um, and then the other ones are Amru Seekers which is similar to the Changeling in that it's a 2-2 evasion. It has uh, Intimidate, basically. Because that it's is... not technically the same, because if you change its color, then right. it would so still be white. It can't be blocked except by artifact creatures and or white creatures. Yeah. Um, and then you also have Bound in Silence, which is a three-mana pacifism, but it's a rebel uh so you can search that up and throw it on a dude uh similar to searching up a wrathy trapper i think wrathy trapper is better than bound in silence so
1: yeah you can also search up saltfield recluse which is another rebel oh i forgot about that it's That's three cool. mana for a one two and you can tap it target creature gets minus two minus zero until end of turn a subtly very powerful ability that really messes with combat
0: yeah it makes it real hard for your opponent to do any good blocks or attacks or anything so, so the white weenie strategy is alive and well in Modern Masters. Yeah, it's pretty pretty damn good, actually, I would say. Um, now...
1: You want to know what card makes a tick?
0: Oh, uh, I'd love to know, Greg. I think I do, but you, let's... You know,
1: it's Blinding Beam. Oh, God, yes. This card, and I've talked about this, I think I tweeted about this, just because I couldn't really contain my excitement. This was one of, like, the sleeper hits of Mirrodin its It doesn't look that good, and I'll read it. Two colorless and a white, instant, common, choose one. Tap two target creatures, or creatures don't untap during target player's next untap step. But it has entwine, which means, and the entwine cost is one. So if you pay the entwine cost in addition to the mana cost, you choose both. So if you pay four mana total, you tap two creatures and... Creatures don't untap during target player's next untap step.
0: Yeah. So this is a sleep at instant speed for white. Yeah. That is exactly what it is. That is what it's going to do every time. And
1: Well, it can do more than that because it's modular and
0: you can pay three mana to just choose one or the other. Absolutely, yeah. It's even better. But just, like, think of how much white wants a sleep. And at instant speed... It's crazy good.
1: Yeah. So the thing that's important to remember about this card is that it, just because it says tap two target creatures, those aren't the only two creatures that locks down when you entwine it. All creatures don't untap during target player's next untap step. I mean, that includes yours. I mean, not that it matters, but, like, if, if they attack you with two dudes and leave two dudes back to block on your turn, you can tap down the two blockers. And then say, creatures you control don't untap during your next turn. All of his creatures stay tapped on his next turn.
0: Yeah, you get, you essentially get two attack steps without any blockers unless they cast another creature.
1: Right, and by that time you're so far ahead, just for four mana, that you're probably winning anyway. Like, the card is very, very good. Now, I'm not exactly sure how good it's going to be in this format, but. I think
0: it's going to be absurd.
1: I, it looks it looks like it's going to be just as good, just because the effect itself is so inherently powerful and, and better than what we're used to getting for four mana in white.
0: Yeah, and white is definitely the fastest color. I mean, just looking at the cards. Yeah, we have real two-drops
1: that come into play and start attacking on turn three. We have some three-drops that are evasive. There's just...
0: The only one-drop that does damage, like, early.
1: Right. It's just... And, and uncommon, there are some other, like pretty efficient dudes there's the flicker wisp which is a 3-1 flyer for three with irrelevant ability meadow boon which is a hill giant ish card with irrelevant ability and uh like some blowout cards like cloud goat ranger and feud killers verdict you know oh boy yeah like, uh, verdict isn't really an aggro card but no the point i'm trying to make is that white has stuff to be doing all the way up the curve and a card like blinding beam puts you so far ahead that as long as you maintain that curve otherwise you're going to win a lot of games Right.
0: And, wait, there's more. Blinding Beam is not the only trick. In fact, we have two other tricks at common that are both really good. Um, We have Otherworldly Journey, which exiles a creature, comes back at the end of the turn with a plus-one, plus-one counter on it. Um, You can... go ahead. It's Arcane, by the way. It is Arcane. um, And you can target any creature, which means you can remove a blocker for the win or whatever... Or you could target your own. Save it from
1: a removal spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, now the coolest thing about this, in my opinion, is how many comes into play, leaves the battlefield type triggers that are in white, and if you pair with blue, it gets even crazier. Yep. <laughs> when you're when you're the artifact deck, you have Sanctum Gargoyle and Fairy Mechanist to just re redo. Uh if you you have Spell Stutter Sprite if you're blue, Pestermind if you're blue, although Pestermind's not great, but the Dalkin uh, Dismisser which and Aether Snipe, which we yeah. both said were both yeah. of those cards are excellent. I mean, blue is just like creaming itself over Otherworldly Journey. And and then move into the uncommons and look at blue cards, and you have Moldrifter and Riftwing Cloud Skate. It's just yeah. like it's crazy. It's absurd how many synergies there are with Otherworldly Journey. So I love this card. And then uh, Test of Faith, which is two mana, prevent the next three damage, or yeah, the next up to the next three damage to target creature, and put a plus one plus one counter on it for each damage prevented. So that's a nice little trick. Yeah, it turns your your little Kipkin Greatheart that they're just like, oh, I'll block this with my, I'll trade with my two toughness thing. You're like, sure, and then I'll grow my thing to a four three yeah
1: it just and that card is just brutal against all the burn spells in red, oh yeah, so powerful where you're like, I'll prevent the damage that that spell's dealing, and my guy gets huge, yep, so it does it does open you up for two for ones if you kinda are using it offensively, i guess mm-hmm. or or defensively if if your opponent has a removal spell in response to test of faith, you're getting two for one essentially, but it is okay. it is very powerful, the upside on it is pretty high.
0: Yeah. And then uh I wanted to talk about the basic land cycler here. Uh this is the other one that I think fits the plan of the deck the best. Um like traumatic visions and gleam of resistance are the two I think do that the best. Uh Gleam of Resistance is a plus one plus two to all your creatures until end of turn and they untap. You're just gonna have a lot of creatures, so this can be a a game ender, possibly.
1: Yeah. Or yeah, just a card that puts you so far ahead that you've essentially won the game. Right. But but again, you're probably gonna be basic land cycling it most of the time.
0: Yeah, it's that's the case with all of these basic land cyclers, except maybe Fiery Fall, but but don't be afraid to basic land cycle your six mana removal spell.
1: Yep, because you might not Reason. get to
0: cast it if you don't. Yeah. If you're on four mana and you don't have another land in hand and and you don't have anything to do, you are being a damn fool if you're yep. not land cycling that.
1: All right, so let's talk about some of the color combinations and the archetypes here. Uh, the one we should start with, I guess the one we've been talking about already, is just the blue-white deck. And it seems just kind of like a blue-white, tempo, skies-type deck with a lot of efficient, evasive threats and some spells to push over the top.
0: Yeah, it seems really powerful. Um, yeah, it just has a lot of cheap, good threats that all, or not all, but a ton of them have evasion.
1: Yeah, it seems like the most straightforward deck to me as well. In that, it, it looks like a deck that we've drafted in many formats before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't quite have some of like the top end rare bombs that you'd see in a blue white deck of the past, although it does have some bomby ass creatures like Moloku and Atacar Valkyrie. But oh my god, Moloku! Yeah, I mean every every car every color has some some cards but like the blue white deck is so just obvious that i have a feeling that the seal deck at uh vegas will be a lot of white blue decks yeah
0: i agree um yeah you're gonna want if you are playing red you're probably main decking hammerheim dead eye yeah i think that that's probably worth it also blue white doesn't have to be just skies. It can also be artifacts. That's correct. With Court Homunculus, Sanctum Gargoyle, Fairy Mechanist, and Ethereum Sculptor, all artifacts in those two colors, you have a lot of synergies there. Uh, and I think this deck is really powerful if, if you're the only one really drafting it. Uh, yeah. Because it's really fast out of the gate, and it has a lot of value when you are Returning things to your hand, modularing things all over the place, and it it can get out of hand really quickly. And I I could see moving into this early if you do get like something like Ravager, um, or maybe some early Bone Splitters or something.
1: Yeah, you can also dip into Black for Executioner's Capsule and Tide Hollow Skuller, both of which are very good artifacts.
0: Yes. Um. And yeah, Sanctum Gargoyle Executioner's Capsule was something that came up a lot in uh, shards draft, so I'm sure. Some of you know about that.
1: Yeah. Let's uh, bang out some of the other tribes here. We talked about fairies a little bit, so I don't think we need to spout a whole lot more about that. Uh, They moved Scion of Una from uncommon up to rare, right? That used to be an uncommon, didn't it? No, it was always a rare. Oh, interesting. Okay, I guess I was wrong about that. So that's like a black-blue archetype. Blue-red is kind of your arcane... I don't Con- even like controlling. really controlling. Maybe yeah, just kind of suspend comboiness. I guess you could also go for. Yeah, I think the suspend comboing is more. Red red, it's red-green. It's red green, but there is some some synergy to be had there with Aaron Ephemeron and and some of the red cards that can remove, remove counters, time time yeah. counters and Rift and getting Cloudscape.
0: Yeah, totally. What what else do you like here? White green we mentioned. It has the Thalid theme, the like tokens. Uh, we have, um, we didn't talk about Sens Enlistment in White, but that's another token maker. Uh, not a great card, but a fu- yeah. uh, it does some things, but it's it, this, this combo has a lot. Uh, it's just, just basically going to be like shoving a million creatures on the battlefield and trying to get through, um, a card. That uh, it, that we didn't talk about at uncommon in green is Trump the Domains. Woo! That is that card. an overrun that is easier to cast. Uh, yep. So watch out for that winning the game because it will every time it's cast. Yeah. And this this deck loves it, especially if it's splashing a third color.
1: Which is really easy considering the land searchers, the yes. three different land searching devices you have at common in green. Totally.
0: Yeah, and this deck has a lot, like I mentioned earlier, the the early white creatures that you can just jam a Moldervine Cloak onto, which is big. Uh, So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the things that green does kind of miss are the bombier rares. Like, some of them are very good. Woodfall Primus is good if you can get to 8 mana. Veraldoth the Ancient is good if you can get to 8 mana, I guess. But, like, Tarmogoyf... Well, a very expensive and awesome card is not that busted and limited.
0: No, it's uh it's it's playable for sure. Uh but usually you have to kind of it's it's not a two mana 3/4 or you know. It can be a, it will become a 3/4 late, later into the game, maybe a 4/5, but it takes a while. And yeah. He's not. He's not. He's not aggressive. Is really what I'm trying to say.
1: Tooth and nail and life from the Loam are two other rares that basically do nothing, along with doubling season. Uh, it's made up for the fact, made up for by the fact that green has two rare quality limited cards at uncommon in tromp the domains and incremental growth. Yeah. So, but but that's something to keep keep your eye on.
0: Yeah. Um, also, a card that will be hilarious is rift sweeper. yeah that card is sweet um and a card that's in every cube and maybe my favorite green card ever is eternal witness just yeah putting putting regrowth on a 2-1 for one more mana come on guys yeah so uh the last card i want to talk about as far as like
1: I know we're just going back to talking about green cards, but we didn't talk about Spore Sower Thalid, which is an uncommon 4 4 for 4. Like, you're already in, right? After reading that. This one says, at the beginning of your upkeep, put a Spore counter on each fungus you control.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so that's going to make all of your Thalids spit out little sapperlings a lot faster.
0: Yeah, so, combine combine this with the Spore Loth Ancient, and you are. Every turn, each Creating your, a Thalid, or a Sapriling every turn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Each Thalid, except for the Spore Sower is going to create a Thalad every turn, or a sapling every turn. Yep. Um, Black-Red is Goblins, right?
0: Yeah, we mentioned that.
1: We don't need to talk a whole lot about that. Red-White is kind of Giants slash Aggro. Right. Green-Black seems just mixed up and bad to
0: me. Yeah, it seems bad. Um, the The quote-unquote synergy here is Dredge, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's the retrace combo is what it is. Yeah, okay. That makes some sense, I guess. But really, yeah, it just doesn't have a lot of synergy happening in the colors. I'm sure that there will be black-green decks that are good, because you'll just have good cards. And especially in sealed, I think synergy is not going to be... Oh, obviously, it usually isn't as important. Um, And there are a lot of just good cards in this set to where... I'm sure there will be black-green decks that do well at the GP. But, um, yeah, probably want to stay away from it if you can.
1: Yeah. Um, Red-green we talked about is kind of like the ramp-slash-suspend combo. Right, right. And blue-green is another one like black-green that doesn't have a whole lot of synergy inherently, but it
0: does have that nice ability to just have your green ramp you into big, powerful blue spells. Totally, and and black does not have those big powerful spells. Blue is definitely where it's after that. Ether Snipe, Fidalkin Dismisser, and Aaron Ephemeron, it's it just it's real nice. Yeah. Um. And what did we not even talk about? I well, guess we didn't. We talk didn't talk about, about five color. We didn't. Um. Really quick, can we talk about black white and oh yeah totally the rebel idea and whether or not that is really a good call. Uh, what do you think? I don't think it is. Um, I think that rebels are more gravy than anything else. Like your 2-1 that can search up a removal spell or your 1-1 one one that pings that can search up a removal spell is generally going to be what they are more than like my deck's a rebel deck. Like I just don't think like, cause you're, you're going out all out on a strategy that's just inherently very slow.
1: Yeah, I think it's worth it because there are some white cards that will bog down the game, and because by going white-black, you gain access to a lot of really good removal spells in black. Like, you get Hirobi's Whisper Whisper at Uncommon, you get Executioner's Capsule at Uncommon, Drag Down at Common, and Warren Weirding at Common. It just kind of gives you a little... You are a bit more of a controlling deck, that's for sure, but -hmm. between Saltfield Recluse and Wrathy Trapper,
0: you are already going to be pretty controlling, you know? Totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, with the Recluse, I always keep forgetting that's a Rebel. Yeah, uh, um,
1: and I mean, the other, the two other White Rebels,
0: the Changeling and the Seekers, are both evasive,
1: so you're kind of... I think it's just more of a grindy deck than the White pair yeah. with anything else,
0: which would happen to be, like, a more aggressive deck. And the other scary thing about this, though, is that there are only two cards that have the Rebel-searching ability. It's It's almost... It's like almost like a dampened thought strategy where you don't get that. You got nothing.
1: Sure. But the difference is, is that all the rebels and the rebel searchers are fine on their own. You don't, it's not like dampened thought where if you're playing dampened thought and a bunch of like arcane draw spells, like you're not. Like that, that deck just sucks if you don't have, they can't do anything if you don't have the dampened thought. Whereas like the white black deck, if you don't happen to get the searchers, you're still playing you like, still
0: make a decent deck. On yeah. That.
1: You're playing like evasive two twos for three and you're playing like, if you're not getting them, you're probably just getting other two drops, whether it's like
0: Kith can great heart and I don't know, whatever else, you know? Yeah. Man. And they really do have a lot of two evasive two twos for three. They have four of them in common. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: So I mean, I think that combination is probably good if, if not, just very good, you know. Okay. Um, uh, so five, five, color. five color, yeah. Let's talk about five color. The all the right. thing that really makes that deck tick is the fact that there are five lands at uncommon, one for each color. Uh, it's the vivid land cycle, and they can all tap for any color twice, and after yeah. that, they only tap for their primary color.
0: Yeah. And also at common. We mentioned a million times, basic land cyclers, um, and we also have the uh, Terramorphic Expanse to grab, whatever basic you want. What a classic. Uh, a lot of just solid mana fixing. Um If you're in green, if you're base green, you have like a million options. So, yeah, getting there for the mana is totally doable. The fact that there are very few unplayables... Means that you're getting there. If you're picking up early mana fixing, you're gonna get there.
1: Yeah, and that's the way to do it. Is in pack one you prioritize the mana fixing, and then in packs two and three you just take the best spells.
0: Right. Uh, the scary thing is like a fast deck can overrun you too quickly before you really get to do your broken things. Um, but there are cards that incentivize you for being five color just inherently. The, all, uh, the sunburst cards. There's two of them. The the manta is really good. Um if you're five color, mm-hmm. it's it's a five five flying for five, which is a better than a dragon. Um and There's then tribal flames and drag down, which are yeah. cards that
1: care about what kind of basic lands you have.
0: Yep. Um and those those you'll pick earlier than everybody else, so you'll be getting those. And uh the the six mana modular guy, like pretty pretty <laughs> meh. Um if you are really heavy artifacts and just like, I'm gonna be artifacts in five color because Why not? <laughs> I, why not? I'm playing a bunch of colorless cards. Then then I could see him doing something. Um but otherwise him just being a six mana five five is pretty mediocre. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so there's there's incentives to be five color and the fact that it's easily supported, you once you have the base when you're drafting, you get to just say, Oh, That card's an absurd bomb. I get that. You know? Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, this is, we're talking about draft here. Uh, in, in sealed, you're not, you're most likely not going to be lucky enough to be five color, but with the amount of fixing, four colors is probably not out of the question. Especially if you're base green and you have some of those land searching ones. Yeah. And some of the bombs in this format are so damn bomby that. Yeah. You just you just have to play him. Um, like, I mean, I, I think I mentioned on one of these tabs that uh, Maloku, it's like if you have a Maloku in your sealed pool and you're not splashing for it.
1: You're doing it wrong.
0: You're just completely doing it wrong. There's no yeah. way you're doing that right. Like, you should, you have to be playing that card.
1: And if you're ramping up with a bunch of, like, land-searching spells, Root Awakening is another one of those cards that is yeah, just, like, have to play it. so much better for you than for anybody else. I mean, even a card like tooth and nail, which I said earlier was unplayable. if you're in a five color like green base ramp deck, like you can do some really dumb things with that card, like yeah,
0: I'm, even just putting out two five fives, yeah, it's very, it's, very good. It's busted, yeah
1: well, yeah, I mean I think that's it for like color archetypes. are there any other like specific niche archetypes or synergies you wanna talk about uh before we wrap things up?
0: uh we talked about most of them, I mean most of them are the tribes. As well as like the artifact deck, the arcane dampen thought deck. Um, we didn't really talk too much about like a suspend deck, which you know uses rift elemental to get your suspend guys out early and deal early damage, as well as like using suspend to power out empty the Warrens or shot. But, um, I don't know that that's a pretty fringe strategy, I think. And, uh...
1: Maybe. I mean, the fact that they jammed it into the set
0: makes me think that at the very least it'll be playable, and sometimes it'll be very good. Yeah. One thing that I really do notice here, and you mentioned Rise of the Eldrazi, there seems like there's a ton of archetypes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, we talked about how, like, green
1: plus any other... Like, every color combination has something it's trying to do except for black-green. And even then, we came up with something for it to do. It just didn't seem that good, you know?
0: Right. The yeah. retrace dredge strategy. It's, it's the, the, uh, damn it, what's it called? Uh, the worm, the worm deck. Worm harvest. <laughs> it's the worm deck. Yeah. We're just going to call that one Dennis Rodman. <laughs> the worm. Um, yeah. So I did have some, uh, I mentioned on the spreadsheet, some sealed and anal- or sealed thoughts. Uh, so I wanted to talk briefly about some of that if that's cool. That's fine. Let's uh, power through it, though. I, I would like to be done soon. Yeah, that's fine. So, this format seems like a fairly standard sealed format, where uh, you're going to be splashing for your bombs, you're going to be playing kind of a slower game, it's going to be really hard to be aggressive, so uh, turn you know, two basic land cycle is going to be a common play. Yeah, very common play. And yeah, it's just it's gonna be very bomb heavy. Uh so removal is unconditional removal is really good. Uh just removal in general is gonna be solid. And um yeah, hopefully you open some good bombs.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that to we should mention is that we say the format's gonna be slow. I don't necessarily know if games gonna are gonna like end on a later turn on average. But the first few turns, are going to feel like a lot of dirtling, because you're going to be suspending right. a lot, basic land cycling. Like we said, there aren't a whole lot of two-drops you can just run out there. Uh, but when those suspend creatures start coming out of suspend, the game's going to get over quick one way or the other,
0: you know? Totally. And, it, I mean, like the synergies that are in the set, like goblins, fairies, rebels, whatever, mostly just going to be gravy in whatever good cards deck you're building. Yeah, especially for sealed. Yeah, and so, yeah, don't worry too much about, like... Like, if you're trying to build the affinity deck with your sealed pool, you're you're doing it wrong. I um, mean, if it's there, it's there, though, you know? I mean, Sure. Th- you you this, just have to let your sealed pool come to you, which is always the case in sealed. Sure, sure. But overall, it's mostly going to be just a standard, like, where are my most powerful cards? I should be playing those colors. Where are the cards I can splash that are also very powerful? How easily can I splash them? Like, these are the things you want to look at. Uh Mana curve does matter. I'm not saying mana cur- curve doesn't matter, because, you know, you can be easily punished if you're like, I'm all four fives and sixes. <laughs> it's like, no, that doesn't work. But yeah, so overall, like, powerful creatures are important. Um If you notice a card and you're like, hey, that card's in most cubes, probably play that card. Those cards are good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good um, baseline strategy for the most part. Yeah. I mean, some like some of the double-colored rares are worth splashing. Like, See,
1: I don't know if I agree with you on this one. I saw you write that on the spreadsheet, and I'm not a huge fan of the double-color
0: splasher. Some of them are worth it. I mean, depending on your fixing, obviously. With no fixing, they're never worth it. Right. Um, I will tell you that right now. But with, like, three fixing cards, maybe four... I mean. Yeah, I guess the way I look at it is if you're going to play a card like that, like Elspeth, like Yosei the
1: Morning Star, you should probably just be able to cobble white together as one of your main colors and then splash
0: problem. for something else. Yeah, totally. I'm, yeah, this is, this is like a, you have Elspeth plus like, I don't, I don't know what cu- you could have in white. You just didn't open white cards. For some reason yeah. your packs had no white. Sure. You, you'll probably want to splash Elspeth. That card's fucking crazy. Um, but, so, so that's where I'm going with it. Is like I, I don't know if I'm splashing those cards. Sure, you're going to want to try to make that color work. But if you can't, it's very possible that you should be splashing them anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, and like I said before removal, important, very important. Their bombs are going to be coming down, your bombs are going to be coming down, you want to be the one with the last bomb in play.
1: Yeah, I think the only other thing to kind of take away from this, and I agree with you here, is that the the narrow strategies like Dampen Thought, like, like Artifact Aggro, Probably shouldn't you shouldn't force it. I mean, if it's like I said, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, just leave it alone and find find a deck that works. You know.
0: Yeah. Remember what I said about Dampen Thought. You need to cast it six times. Like, just think about that. If you're like, oh, Dampen, I have three Dampen Thoughts. I can get there. It's like, or, how many other Arcanes do you have? Yeah, you need to survive that long too. Yeah. Exactly. So.
1: All right. Um, you got anything else?
0: No. Uh, this was awesome. I am so. Damn, excited for this tournament.
1: You have yeah. no idea. Well, I mean, it'll be great just to be hanging out with you.
0: Yeah, this is, only my, else. this is only my second limited GP. So I'm I'm very, very excited. My first one being the team format which we did, which was per- even more exciting, but this one's going to be great. Yeah. It's also in Vegas, so <laughs> that'll oh. be fun.
1: It'll be uh interesting to see how much we talk about this set versus DGR limited in the next couple weeks going up to the, the tournament, I have a feeling this is all I'm
0: talking about. Yeah.
1: I have a feeling (laughs) it's going to be all modern masters. And I'm, I apologize to the listeners who either are just priced out of modern masters or not going to Las Vegas, but this is kind of where our heads need to be at. If we want to do well in this tournament, because there are going to be a ton of people there. And, uh, if you are interested in meeting up with us while you're out, if you're going out to Vegas, uh, Take a look at our Facebook page or follow me on Twitter, and I'm going to put something together soon, uh, a plan of some sorts where we can do like a podcast meetup. It it might only be for like an hour or something just because there's a ton of stuff to do in Vegas, and we're all going to be wanting to be doing other things. But um, I'm going to try and set aside some time so that uh, the listeners and us can all hang out together. That would be very cool.
0: That would be cool.
1: So with that said, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can do that at EWDraftCast. Jeff is at JeffEWDC. And if you want to email us, our address is eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. You can search us up on Facebook or go to facebook.com backslash EWDraftCast. And uh, give us a like on there. If you do that, you'll be able to follow along and see uh, when we post about the, uh, the Vegas event. And last but not least, we have a website. EastWestDraftCast.com. We post the podcasts on there. If you don't like listening to them with the ads that uh, MTGCast has recently started to put on the front of all the uh, podcasts on the network, I have no problem with the ads per se. But
0: Yeah, I also support MTG cast and everything they do.
1: Yeah, so. they've they've given us a voice and an audience, so we're very grateful. Um, I can understand why it was a problem for some of the sponsored casts, but that's uh I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to get into it right now. Maybe some other time on the podcast we can talk about that. That's but fine. um yeah, thanks for listening everybody and hopefully we'll see you in Vegas. Drop cast out. I'm alone. Just feel like a shadow.
0: Stalking